You're listening to one more episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies and we don't do it in person anymore. And since we stopped doing it in person, we started talking a little bit more about Netflix movies. And uh, today we're going to do that again. So today we're going to talk about The Gray Man. This is the latest movie from Joe and Anthony Russo, which I think makes it the second Russo Brothers movie we've talked about on this podcast. Um, yeah, anyway, this just came out on Netflix, I want to say about a week ago, by the time this comes out. Um, and this episode is mostly spoiler-free. I remember at the end of this episode thinking, wow, we did no spoilers. So um, I'm pretty sure... I'm, I'm pretty sure I trust myself there, but uh, <clears throat> if you don't trust me, feel free to watch The Gray Man and then come back. We'll be waiting right here. And if you do trust me, here's a little song by Henry Jackman called Bangkok. You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about Netflix movies. And uh, I, does it does it feel nice to talk about a movie that's not in theaters again? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, I saw this in theaters. Did you actually? I did, yeah. Oh, sick. Uh, okay. A week before it came out, which was kind of cool. Yeah, this was, this is technically, I think yesterday was its last day in theaters in Toronto here, or at least mm. in... In the light box. It's still mm. in theaters if you want to drive somewhere, but I don't have a car anymore. And uh, I don't You know. don't? What happened to the car? Uh, well, I, I did not bring it with me to Toronto. Because, oh, like, okay. I live in downtown Toronto. I cannot imagine a scenario where I would need to oh, drive regularly. Yeah, that sounds terrible, driving in Toronto. Yeah, the couple um, of times I've Ubered, it's, like, not, not a good time. Oh. <laughs> and, like, that's not even me driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I saw it in theaters. I guess it, it's part of Netflix's. Uh, they to make it Oscar Oscar worthy or award award uh, acceptable eligible eligible. Yeah. yeah sorry, uh, they have to put it in theaters for at least a week exclusively. So mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was it was kind of well. I mean, we're okay. Well, we're talking about the Gray Man. Oh yeah, the Gray Man. I forgot. I'm referring to it as it. <laughs> I saw yeah, so. some movie, uh, and yeah, it's a. I mean, this is a this is a big movie, so it's kind of nice to see it on a big screen, I guess. So I remember you saying this was Netflix's most expensive. Is that true? This was Netflix's most expensive movie ever. Yeah, well, I mean, it's two hundred million, which isn't huge, but yeah, I consider. I mean, it, it's huge considering that they are not being compensated directly you know for this movie it's 
it's merely it's just to keep people interested and subscribe so yeah it's it's quite impressive um mm. even though like 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 didn't really feel like they're the most expensive movie they've done if that makes sense yeah it felt i don't know it's it definitely felt like a lot of that money went to the actors which great i'm glad they're getting paid but like i'm not sure what the rest of the money went to not that it all was squandered necessarily but like this movie didn't look especially expensive yeah well it might have been maybe because of covid shoots too or something i wonder like it might have been true i know i i think that's what happened with thor love and thunder which had like an insanely huge budget um but i think that that they shot it completely during covid so and that was like the start of COVID, so that might have been a big part of it. Um, you know, testing people and like more expensive hotels and stuff like that. So, anyways, uh, so yeah, it is a big investment. I think you know, I think Netflix felt confident to give a big budget to the directors of this movie, uh, the Russo brothers, considering that you know they 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 directed two of the top five highest grossing movies of all time. I don't think they technically Endgame is technically uh the the highest grossing anymore cuz Avatar did a re-release recently or something like that. So apparently, uh apparently the Russo brothers together are the um highest grossing directors of all time behind Steven Spielberg, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Considering Spielberg's also directed like like I want to say, like ten times the movies they have, probably. So probably pretty close. Yeah, I don't yeah, think that the Russo like, brothers no, have directed. Not even an exaggeration. I think the Russo brothers have directed single-digit number of movies. Yeah, it's they've like done a lot of TV. Six or maybe seven, I think. Four yeah. Marvel movies, this one, and then Cherry, and then there's that movie You, Me, and Dupree. Uh, Did they direct that? Yeah, from two thousand seven or something. <laughs> oh wow, what a what yeah, a what very... a weird route their career has taken. Yeah, right. One, two, um, three, four, five, from six. From Yumi and Dupree. Eight, nine, it to... looks like they've directed nine projects, one of which was not released theatrically in the United States, but it doesn't say it's a short. So they've directed nine movies. Yeah. So, oh, okay, so Steven Spielberg probably hasn't done quite ten no. times what they've done, but a lot. Uh, yeah. Well, I need to look this up. How many movies? Uh, but yeah. Anyways, the uh, I mean, I, I guess whether you believe they are good directors or not. Um, well, I, you could also argue like whether they are the ones that earn that that gross that money. Um. um Oh yeah, but, fair enough. Because like that, them being the second highest behind Spielberg is definitely because four of the movies they did were Marvel movies, and four of the movies they yeah. did were like top-grossing Marvel movies too. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting, and they've been really trying to prove themselves uh, as uh, they. I think they tried to assert themselves as auteur directors potentially. Um, with Cherry, starring Tom Holland, which we talked about, um, I think it came out like a, about two years ago, right, or something like that. 
Uh, no, more recently, so? I think. Oh no, one year ago. One year. Ago. It was like it was like very early 2021, though. I think yeah. it was like January. Um, and that was actually I was really interested to see that because. You know, it was interesting to see these two directors that were basically made by Marvel try to seek their own path. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could definitely feel that they were restless because they tried literally like every cinematic technique I could think of and smashed it into one movie. <laughs> and uh, also in the script, like brought in every different genre they could think of and smashed it into one movie. Um, kind of got cherry, which was quite quite disappointing, I'd say. So uh, I think earlier on you said something along the lines of you could argue whether or not they're good directors, but I want to get into that. Do you think they're good directors? Well, I mean, their post-Marvel work would have to be the biggest testament to that. And so far, I am not really seeing it, if that makes sense. Mm. Um. I mean, we'll talk about the gray man later, but because I, 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 I think I learned a lot. Like the more I read about Marvel and like their recent, the recent success um, and failures, is that a lot of their, a lot of their stuff is done before the directors are even brought on, or separately from the directors. Right? I, I remember reading that this one, this one director. I think it was Chloe. Maybe it was Chloe Zhao actually. Someone rejected the the offer to direct Black Widow because apparently all the like the script was completely done and all the previs and um, story storyboarding was done. So all the shots were laid out too. So the director would literally just come on to tell the crew to follow the the storyboard and the shots that she was told. Um, and I think second unit probably already started like mapping out choreography too so it's a very like work for hire scenario mm-hmm. um but it is interesting i think the Russo because it's it's hard like the russo's movies though marvel movies have always been a step above everyone else's too so it's a very weird dichotomy you got here where you could say marvel does most of the work but also like the russo's do bring some kind of special element to it where i feel like all their characters are just written better um, the scenes are direct, action scenes are directed better, etc. I think that's like the biggest thing that I get from the Russos is they work really well in that more serialized format that Marvel has. So um, like, because the Russos are big TV directors and like before they came into Marvel, they were probably best known for directing a lot of really really loved uh episodes of community mm-hmm. and so like when they came in i think what they do best or what they did best in marvel is they they really understood how to portray how to get the most out of these characters like my favorite parts of my favorite things about thor as a character come from russo brothers movies they don't even come from the thor movies <laughs> yeah. and like I I would say the same thing about probably Wanda and Vision and just a lot of those characters. I think they're really good at that. Um, what I am noticing here is uh, Captain America Civil War, Captain America the Winter Soldier, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame, the four Russo Brothers directed movies, 
were also written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. So um, it's like, it's a directing team and a writing team. And considering that, like, considering how synonymous those four movies are with my entire impression of the Russos, I wonder, like, I'm, I'm actually not sure I can separate the Russos as directors from the writing team of Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus, because the thing that I think is strongest in those Marvel movies is the writing. Not that these are like Shakespearean works or anything, but like just because uh, those characters are, that's where I think the characters are the most comes out of those characters that end up being in that movie. I think that they're really good at doing that. Uh, which makes it super weird when they create something or when they direct something that is not related to anything else. Like um, Cherry or the Gray Man. Yeah. Well, it, it is It is cool that you mentioned uh, Marcus and McFeely. I think they are... They, like, they, they were brought on for the Gray Man, so this was definitely much more of a... Uh, it's like their first Marvel, their first at big action movie with their writers outside of the Marvel system. So it's kind of like they have all the tools they need. Can they still do it without like the Marvel infrastructure or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of what the gray man is attempting to prove. So, um, yeah, so it, it was an interesting movie to, I guess, look for. I was, I really wanted to see if they could pull it off. Um, because obviously Cherry was a big misstep. <laughs> and uh, do you think they pulled it off? Um, no. <laughs> okay. I. Um. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was. I was gonna. Do we want to talk about what the movie is first? Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably. Get into it. Um. Uh, I don't normally offer to do this, but let me see if I can remember what this movie is about. Sure. Uh, this movie. Um, stars Ryan Gosling, and he's like a CIA, a very deep undercover, like deep secret uh, CIA agent. I don't know about undercover necessarily. I guess probably by default. But he's a he's an agent. Uh, he's a Sierra agent, and these are agents that are chosen for basically their lack of family. Um, <laughs> They choose people who have nowhere else to go in their lives and recruit them as assassins for the CIA. Um, and, and when you become a Sierra, a Sierra agent, they basically erase your entire identity if you know what little of it there was, and you know keep you around until it's time to and until it's time to kill you. It's basically the same thing as like if anyone's seen Gem- Gemini Man, it's the same basic idea or. Probably the Born Identity. I haven't seen the Born Identity, but like yeah, any of those spy right, movies yeah. where it's like, oh, we've got a spy who's rogue now. It's it's that same kind of thing. It's the most common spy movie trope. Yeah, spy gone rogue. The agency has to hunt him down, but he's their like best man. Even like well, Mission Impossible, way, James Bond, like and like the way that he finds out that like the the way that he comes to blows with the CIA and that like he finds out the CIA is going to hunt him down eventually is that he is hired to hunt someone down and he doesn't want to do it. And he ends up talking to this guy before he kills him. And it's like, Hey, I'm a Sierra agent. 
It's like, oh no, wait, the Sierra agents are hunting the Sierra agents? That's no good. And so then he like starts getting hunted down. Actually, not explicitly by the CIA at first. He's hunted down by a contractor named... What is his name? Uh, it's it's such a cool name. Uh, Lloyd Hansen, uh, played by Chris Hans- uh, Chris Evans. And um, he's just like a random contractor that gets hired by the... C- oh, he's a former CIA agent who gets hired by... Uh, Ryan Gosling's handler to kill Ryan Gosling. Yeah. So he's not being hunted by a Sierra agent, which I guess no. is an important break from tradition. He's like a private contractor. He's a private contractor that doesn't have to follow the law. Mm-hmm. And as he makes very clear multiple times throughout the movie. <laughs> yeah, you can't um, teach what he does. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, that that is the movie. It's it's That's the thing, it's like the most it's the most basic premise, the most straightforward action film. Um, you, you'd think it'd be hard to screw up, honestly. Like they have so much to to come off to go off of. Um, sorry, I, well, I, I don't know if they. I shouldn't keep saying they really screwed it up. Um, I well, I I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was just the trashiest, like one of the trashiest action films I've ever seen. And I guess so, maybe that's what they were going for. But yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily say it's hard to screw up. For me, I mean, I don't know. I'm, this is not really my kind of movie, just in general. So maybe I'm a little biased in that respect. But like, to me, it would be harder to see this concept. And it would be harder to make something like this stand out, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Because like, for me, on paper, the movie The Company You Keep is very different. It gave me the same vibes. Like, it's both just a boring guy running from other boring people. For the most part. Not entirely. I think it's just more like... It it made me think of, like... like, Well, we're going to go back to superhero movies, though, where it's like... There's all... So many superhero movies are are just the same, like... You have a, a person... At least origin stories are like... You have, like, a person that's not in a good place. Or in their life and they don't accept responsibility and then something bad happens to them and they get superpowers and want to make up for their mistakes basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they seem good at that, you know, like, cause they, they, they can do simple. I feel like the Russos can do like simple stories very well mm-hmm. from what I saw with like, with the, with their Captain America movies and stuff. Um, but yeah, this was just like, even like very basic storytelling beats, I thought were like very like were off. Um, like they shoved in a very weird kind of paternal father figure thing with Sierra Six or Ryan Gosling's character. Mm-hmm. Um, that really didn't. It really felt out of place in like a spy thriller movie. Um, so they kept trying to like make it emotional. Uh, and like almost like family friendly, um, and which was like very tonally jarring. So yeah, stuff like tone. I thought the script was actually pretty bad too. Mm-hmm. Um, like if they didn't have like I think Chris Evans carried this movie really hard. I'm not I even Chris Evans in this. I was... almost want to watch it again just for Chris Evans, except right. that I personally don't want to watch the Gray Man again. Right? Yeah. Like 
Chris Evans literally shown like he stole every scene he was in. It felt like he was the only character that kind of understood he was in like a really crappy movie, you know, mm-hmm. like but he was like because it's a, it's like crap, but like corny. He understood how yeah. corny it was, you know. Yeah, not like, like he's a, taken the piss out of the movie. Plot. Just like he enjoys being in it. No. Yeah, he's like he's making the most of what the movie is, you know. Mm-hmm. Being an over the top villain, um, which is what the movie needed because everyone else is acting like this is a serious movie mm-hmm. when it's kind of like you have these. There's a couple. There's a couple of these action sequences that are like so ridiculous that you're just like like there's a scene where like I think it was like Ryan Gosling's caught in the middle of like a massive crossfire between like 20 people and he's chained to like a bench and somehow he doesn't get shot for like 10 minutes or something and he's he's literally he has like one pistol and he can't move at all and he's not killed for some reason and these guys have like rocket launchers and stuff too um, but they don't use them. They're using them on the cops instead, which is really weird to me. Um, or there's another scene where he's like, I think he's running on top of a train and it's like exploding behind him. Um, oh, and- yeah. There's like one really big, like there's one big press shot for this movie where he's like leaning out of a train. And I was like, oh, sick. So he's like, you know, really on the road. He's like flying through uh, the, you know, I don't know, countryside of some European country. Nope. That's a tram in the middle of the city. <laughs> yeah. It's like a huge action sequence where they're just blowing everything up. And yeah, he's he's like he's not superhuman. Like this isn't a superhero movie. It's supposed to be like a a, a covert spy thriller and he's in the middle mm-hmm. of like Prague or something blowing a train up and running on top of it uh with Anna de Armas like driving on the side of the train while it's blowing up to like so he can jump on her car or something. It was just so it was it was so I love that sequence. I thought it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't take it seriously because it kind of defeated the whole point of the like this is this is this this is a covert CIA operation like yeah. I think like I was just thinking about this. Do you know the difference you know the difference between low and high fantasy, right? Yeah. Okay, so I guess for, I'm going to explain it anyway, just in case any of our listeners don't. Like, high fantasy is you have, like, elves, you have, like, magic, all sorts of, like, crazy concepts that don't necessarily exist in real life. Uh, Low fantasy is, like, mostly real life, but, like, you can make an exception here and there for, like, like Game of Thrones is a really good low fantasy uh, Mm -hmm. story because it's pretty much just a medieval fan, like a medieval, it's basically just a story about medieval Europe. Yeah. But there's dragons. Yeah, and like a couple things in there. Yeah, and I think that the Russos are actually like pretty good at low fantasy at, at this kind of a story in a low fantasy setting because that's exactly what the Winter Soldier is. The Winter Soldier is a covert spy thriller where there are Nazi super soldiers and a man with a metal arm. It's like I don't <laughs> believe those things are real, but like, or at least like I don't, I don't know. Maybe those things are possible. I don't believe those things are real. But, like, I can suspend my disbelief because it's a superhero story. This movie, The Gray Man, is supposed to be, like, more real than that. It's not supposed to be grounded. It's supposed to be, like, real. And it's too corny for that. And it doesn't play... And, like like you said, like, Chris Evans is the only one who seems to realize that. Mm-hmm. So, like, everyone here is playing... Everyone here is, like, we're in a, we're in a Bourne movie. 
but they don't know why those movies were good. I couldn't tell them why either because I haven't seen them. But like, clearly oh. there's a difference, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's just the Bourne movies are are just better made. I don't know, and they're well, not. They're they're more consistent tonally. That's that's um, also a big thing. I was gonna say I think the action in this is fine. I don't think it's shot very well. Oh, I was for the like, most part. I was getting nauseous watching these yeah. cuts. There was so. That's I just I don't understand how, like you, they literally these are the guys that literally made the Winter Soldier, which in my like it's one of my the one of the best like spy action thriller movies I've I've ever seen right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's up there. I think it, like it might even be the like the best one, even though like you know towards the end it's definitely not um, a thriller anymore. It's a full on action movie, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't and like the action shot so well in that movie and the character works done really well and it's like literally like the same movie like Captain America in that movie gets a hard drive full of sensitive information from a mission and is hiding it from the bad guys and it's, mm-hmm. so it's the same plot how do you miss like how how is the action worse how is it shot worse the character work is much worse I just I don't I mean, understand how you do the exact same movie the second time and ruin it. Yeah, I can excuse any one of those things, but all three of them being worse is weird. It, like the the character work ma- being worse makes sense to me because with Marvel, uh, their character work is either good or bad, but a lot of it is a lot of the groundwork is laid in other movies. So yeah. like. It makes it when when a movie does its character work even passably well, it like is elevated by every other movie that exists in that universe. So like I can get it if the character work isn't as good in this movie. I mean, it's still not an excuse because this is the team that wrote the Winter Soldier and the Winter Soldier alone has pretty good character work. It's not perfect. Uh, I... I actually just recently listened to a podcast and I kind of hope that uh, one of the co-hosts on there is not an, is not going to listen to this one because <laughs> he like really the hated Soldier. the Winter Soldier for exactly uh-huh. the reasons we're, we're praising it. Uh-huh. But still. Um, well, I just like, at least give me enough to like the characters, you know, I don't have to mm-hmm. like, like love them like Captain America or whatever, but like, I, like how do you make Ryan Gosling boring to me? Like, That's so weird. He was yeah. he was pretty good too. Like I thought he, he did his Ryan Gosling thing. You know, he, he's a certain charisma. Uh, but I was not excited at all to see him, and he he felt like a very weak lead to me because I feel like I know what. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll let you finish first. Oh, I, I that was basically it. Oh, I was gonna say I feel like now I know what Ryan Gosling on autopilot looks like. Because like <laughs> yeah. I've seen I've seen him be really good in movies. In general, I like Ryan Gosling a lot. I think that he was like, you know, my my main exposure to him is things like Drive and The Big Short and like um one other one. Why am I forgetting the other Ryan Gosling? The, the Place Beyond the Pines. Um but like in those, he definitely has like they're varied roles, although he does have like a specific style that he kind of that like I can I, I can think of what I think a Ryan Gosling character is like. And this is what I think a Ryan Gosling character is like, and it's very baseline. Like this is he was playing the most uh boilerplate regular Ryan Gosling character I think he could. I don't know 
like he he did fine, but like in the was, in the canon of Ryan Gosling characters, I'm not going to remember this one. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, especially we were talking about this earlier. But like every single role, I was looking at he, he's very selective, especially like in the past seven years. I've seen I think I've seen like basically every role he's done, um, and he's mm-hmm. been amazing in all of them. I haven't seen the first or first man, but I want to, and I heard he's really good in that too. He is really good in that. Um, so he's like a very, like a he's a very memorable actor, and he seemed to only this is his first movie in four years, which like I couldn't believe. Oh wow! Um, yeah, but yeah, I just he, he was not having it. Same thing with Anna de Armas. Like I was really surprised because I loved Anna de Armas in uh in the no in No Time to Die in her like five mm-hmm. minute role. Um, I thought she had a lot of charisma in that, and she was having a lot of fun. And I was like, "Oh, maybe we'll get more of the same in this." No, this this was bad. She, her character was very felt very shoved in, um, and just really boring. Like, like they like basic- stripped away all of her basic charisma. And she has a lot of charisma. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand how you do that to her. She basically like existed in this movie to get Ryan Gosling out of binds occasionally. Yeah, and then there's that one scene where she's, where somehow she's like strapped with like like two hundred pounds worth of no probably more like three hundred pounds worth of like heavy artillery equipment, and she's sprinting around like a mansion blowing stuff up, and I was like, yeah, that that's the other role she has, and it was right very hard to believe. Um, yeah, so. The acting, like, again, other than Chris Evans, it just felt like everyone was bored or kind of confused yeah. as to what they were there for. I, I would hesitate to say anyone was, like, necessarily actively bad, but, like, it kind of just looked like a lot of these people just showed up. Yeah. That's it. I like, just, Alfred I, Woodard was in this movie. Yeah, she wasn't That's bad. That's it. Yeah, she wasn't bad. She wasn't good either. She was just there. Yeah. Um, I, I actually really hated the CIA people. Maybe I'm supposed to, but, like, their roles are just written, like, so cliche-like. Um, one of them was played by Jessica Henwick, who I know from, like, Iron Fist, I think Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't believe it was her. I just hated her so much. She was such a boring character that I feel like they kept shoving into the movie as like she's like the the real villain or like the CIA is the real villain or whatever um but I was not interested in either of them well it's feel it felt like the CIA's the CIA was the real villain but their motivation was that they're bad like it didn't feel like it meant yeah. anything at least like yeah. I I liked how Chris Evans was bad but like he enjoyed it you know like you could tell he was like a psychopath yeah um and there was like well, and he had, like, a plausible motivation. He had been hired to kill a guy, so he That's was going to do that yeah. thing. And it's like, yeah. you don't need much more than that if your character is a crazy killer. That's all he does. Yeah. But, like, yeah. the guy who hired him, his motivation was, I don't like him. I don't yeah. like that guy, and I'm angry. And that's well, it. Well, they wanted the drive. He's like, I don't want that, oh, yeah. I want that drive back. That's I true. Want, I forgot about I don't want this picture drive. out, the picture of something happening. I. I think he was like a traitor. I don't know. Dude. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, I don't know how you how you bring this cast down so bad, but I think they do 
practices we succeeded <laughs> unfortunately mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah the action not great the effects it was shot very like everything was well i guess everything was very gray which like, thematic yeah right? like i guess it was thematic <laughs> um, um yeah yeah, so, like, I do have some more stuff I want to talk about, but, like, do you have anything else to say about this movie specifically? No, I I, I just, I had I had some fun watching it. Like, it's a very watchable movie. Um, like, I could, I could, this feels like a Netflix release, you know, like, you could pause, you can pause halfway through when you get bored and pick up yeah. the rest of it when you, like, feel a little more chill or, like, put it on the background and, like, watch the action scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very another very disappointing uh, movie by the Russos. Better than Jerry, but this is also in their ballpark. So yeah, mm-hmm. and they're making a sequel, and I think they're making like a spinoff too, which I'm just which like, is strange. Yeah, I don't understand how this is a franchise. Very odd, but. Especially without Chris Evans, like I don't, I, I do not watch this movie without Chris Evans. Well, I so I heard spinoff, and I don't know what exactly the spinoff is going to be. But if it's not a spinoff about Chris Evans's character, I don't know why this movie would warrant <laughs> a spinoff. Yeah, okay, I would watch a Chris Evans movie for sure. I was so <laughs> sad. Well, I guess it was a spoiler. I won't say. It. Never mind. But uh, yeah, well, I guess no. That I, I won't I, even say that much. Yeah. That's spoiling it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like, uh, what what would you give this movie out of ten? Um, probably like a five. Like maybe a ah uh, no, probably a four. I think. Yeah. I think I'd like. I'd go with maybe a strong three. I mean, it's a very enjoyable four. Like, if you like spy thrillers and like that's no, your jam, it's not spy. If you well, like shitty action movies, yeah. Like, if you like shitty, or action or if like, movies. or if like you watch a lot of, if if you're tolerant of bad spy thrillers, or if you like shitty action movies, then like this is definitely a movie that you know is probably worth putting on in the background. Yeah. Or you like Chris Evans being? If you like Chris True. Evans' character from Knives Out, you'll love him. I just love. Okay, I need to gush a bit about Chris Evans. I just love was- how just needlessly evil he was every time we saw him. It was so mm-hmm. funny. Like, like when the pilot's like, I don't know if I should land, and he just literally just shoots him in the leg, and he's like, how about now? <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> yeah. You're going to shoot your own pilot? <laughs> or like it's- that scene where Billy Bob Thornton's like, like you're never going to catch Sierra 6, and then Chris Evans just like, kicks him randomly in his car <laughs> and just goes back to talking like he never kicked them. It, mm. was, it was so funny. Oh my god. I love unhinged Chris Evans and I hope that uh, we continue to see this style of Chris Evans for a while. Please, yes. I mean, I love Captain America, but like this this is a very welcome change of pace too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he, he could be the villain of any movie and I really want to see. I want to see him in like Mission Impossible now. Honestly, this would be great. Oh, that would be cool. It's like almost the almost the because I was really sad when they killed off. I wait. Have you seen? You haven't seen Mission Impossible like recently. I I haven't. I'm gonna rewatch. I so like I don't care that much about spoilers. So okay. 
Well, yeah, only, Henry Cavill. Only spoilers if you wanna. Okay, Henry. Cavill. Henry Cavill was only in one movie, um, mm. so, <laughs> and he's not coming back. So, I think Chris Evans would be a great uh, re- kind of replacement for that role because he basically is a buff guy with a mustache. So yeah, he can he can pull that off. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, okay, that's my Chris Evans rant. Um, so I guess like the last thing I wanted to talk about is like. What do you think of Netflix's current movie strategy? And I think what I mean by that is like a couple of years ago, uh, actually, we talked about it on this show, I think. Uh, Netflix hired, they, they made a big point of hiring a bunch of auteurs to just throw money at them and give them and like give them free reign. We got the Five Bloods. We got Mank. We got The Irishman. Uh, what else did we get that year? Uh, Marriage Story. There might have been one or two more that I'm missing right now. There are definitely one or two more that I'm forgetting about. Honestly, probably Don't Look Up also falls into that first original slate. It just came out way later. Mm, Um, And like, you know, the quality of those movies is not consistent, but they made like a big push of we're going to make we're going to give people that are really good at making movies the money to make whatever movie they want. And it's going to win us awards. And clearly that didn't work as well as they had hoped. But I also haven't heard Netflix say anything like that since then. And instead, recently, uh, Netflix has pivoted like full Russo brothers, actually, because they got the gray man uh, is now a franchise. Extraction is getting a sequel, which is not a Russo brothers movie, but is produced by them. And I think is written by one of them. And, um, well, this isn't a Russo Brothers movie, but Red Notice is now also a franchise, which is strange. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's it's so weird to me for Netflix to go from, yeah, we got Mank, to Red <laughs> Notice is where it's at, guys. Yeah, I it's it's interesting how I, I my biggest guess is that they just they realize fiscally in the long run that maybe these awards don't mean that much, especially to the Netflix audience. Like I, I feel like not that many people go on Netflix looking for like amazing movies. Um, they're just looking for something to like the general audience is usually just looking for something to watch. Um, that's mildly enjoyable. Um, mm. And kind of is what they're like, gives them what they're expecting. Like, for example, you get a movie like, like red notice with those stars and you, I, I can mostly guess what I'm going to get going into that. They're so all like, very just recognizable actors. Real quick, have you seen Red Notice? No. <laughs> you and still know really exactly have... everything about it. Like, it's, I mean, if you've seen yeah. a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie, if you've seen a Ryan Reynolds movie, if you've seen Gal Gadot in anything, you've seen Red gonna, Notice. going to be The Rock acting with a lot of toxic masculinity and never losing a fight because that's in his contract. Um, and Ryan Reynolds uh, bouncing off that, like, hey, Rock, you have a lot of toxic masculinity. Yeah, and then just, yeah, making fun of that. Yeah. I mean, they actually, they literally did that in Hobbs and Shaw. I forgot about that. They had that dynamic. Oh, yeah. Um, and Gal Gadot, who can't act, but is there to look. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't even, she just, she can't act. After watching, well, to be fair, a lot of people were shafted in Wonder Woman, too, but. Uh, yeah, I I don't think she can act very well. I'm gonna be honest with you. Fair. Uh, so and you kind of yeah, you kind of know what you're getting. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like that, though. Like, you know, like, that, that's the thing. It's they're very recognizable brands. Yeah, I mean, if someone... Well, that, it's, it's just weird that those are recognizable brands because these are definitely manufactured brands. Like, oh, yeah. Red, Notice, Red Notice didn't exist before Netflix made it. And then all of a sudden, Netflix is making two sequels. The Gray Man, same thing. And it's like, it's not that they can't do those. Clearly, these were successes for Netflix, or at the very least, that's what Netflix is telling us. So, like, yeah. sure. And if people like these movies, that is awesome. I don't want to take that from anybody. It's just like Netflix and Netflix very much has the ability to pick and choose what it makes. And like a while ago, if if these movies had come out in 2018, I don't think it would have chosen these. Like, I don't think Netflix would have been like, yeah, we're going to continue with this series, actually. Yeah, they they're definitely on the look the hunt for franchises now, um, mm-hmm. and they don't have you know any superheroes to to offer. So True. they instead what they seem to want to do is take known blockbuster personas like the Russos are probably the most easily marketable action director action directors right now just because of you know, their previous track record with Marvel, right? Probably for the next 10 years, anytime one, anytime one or both of the Russo brothers brings out a movie, the trailer will say, from the people who brought you Avengers Endgame. And yeah, like, exactly, right? Yeah, and, and they can do that. That will make me, that'll even make me watch their movie, because it's like, well, yeah. oh, I know these guys. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if I would have watched The Gray Man if it wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty big. Um, and then also, I guess, they, they want they want stars as well. So, you know, the bringing in The Rock, Ryan Reynolds. Like, Ryan, actually, Ryan Reynolds has been, like, with Red Notice, and there was that other movie recently. Um, oh, it was Free Project. Guy, but that's... Oh, The Adam Project, right. Yeah, um, that they did. So I think it's interesting how... Oh, also with Knives Out, remember, they, they paid Ryan Johnson, like, it was like four hundred million dollars to make three more Knives Out movies on their platform. At the time, okay. it was their biggest deal they'd ever done. I don't think yeah. anymore, but at the time, for sure. Yeah, so that might have. I think maybe Extraction, like with Chris Hemsworth, really showed them because that was their biggest movie by far. I think mm-hmm. uh, released. I think they realized how much potential there is in that short-term action blockbuster. Uh, potential um, even though Extraction was actually done relatively well I think mm. um, for, a, for a smaller action movie so um, yeah they, they, they want franchises they want them now and they're going to spend as much money as they can getting them will it work I don't really think so um, but also I don't run Netflix so I think like yeah yeah, I'm cur- I'm just like I really wish I could be a fly on the wall in Netflix like oh, what was I going to say? In in Netflix's offices cuz like their strategy, their current strategy does not make sense to me that much. At the very least it's not what I would do, but well, also sure. I would run a business into the ground. So like, you <laughs> yeah, know, I I'm, I'm not an expert here. I just want to know, like, what are they doing? Neither of us run any businesses, to be clear. 
Um, yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're just doing what, what Disney's doing, which is, I mean, if they if they could do what Disney was doing, I think, I think they they really wish they could. Um, you mean if they could out. bully Netflix? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, just they they really want to be able to just knock out basic franchise stuff that people will watch no matter what, and they know they mm-hmm. will. Um, until that property's dried out and they move on to the next one. Um, yeah. Because that's, yeah, that's what weird. Disney's doing. That's what, I mean, that's what every other movie fan or movie studio is doing. Um, at least I can say Netflix is attempting to create something new, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, they, they want to create a new movie franchise rather than rely on uh, a past property. Even though you know mm-hmm. the Green Man's based on a book or whatever, it's it's a well, little yeah. more original than what everyone else is doing right now. We'll see. All we'll right, see well, if it plays off. Yeah, that's it for today, I guess. What do we want to talk about next time? Well, it sounds like any new gonna, movies that came out. Maybe nope. I I feel like okay. I gotta I gotta say something real quick. I'm I'm really bad at setting it up, but every single time I try and set someone up for a nope joke, I fail at it. And then the other person doesn't get it, and they don't. Oh, and they I would have had to no. say nope. I was supposed <laughs> to say nope. Oh, I'm, I'm horrible at setting those up. Don't worry I'm about so it. It's sorry. my fault. We were close. Oh well. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk about next time. Right, do it again. Do it again. I can do it. Uh, do you want to do the last word, Pierre? Nope. <laughs>